Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here with Miss Vicki Lemaire. And one of the things that I'm most excited about about our conversation is what you said right before I hit record. You said you want to share the message of happiness and your journey to get to happiness and to let people know there's different ways. And that's how I feel about recovery. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. Um, and you also, you, you said it's our right. So I can't wait to dive into that. But before we get into the, the nitty gritty, Vicki, would you like to introduce yourself and, and give us a little history? Sure. <laughs> Hi, my name is Vicki Lemaire. And I am, I actually just turned 77. And I hate to even say that because I feel about 50, I think. You look less and, than 50. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, and I have had no plastic surgery. So I'm a plastic surgeon's worst nightmare. But I've been able to, in my life, learn uh, beauty tips, the secrets, and things that I've done along the way to not only look good, but to feel good on the inside. And I think it's more important to feel good than to look good. I mean, when you feel good, it it shows in your face when you're happy. So we all, you know, if we can learn and I I hopefully can can share with your listeners and your viewers um, some of my beauty tips and secrets that have helped me to become absolutely happy in life. And that's our right. So, you know, we were born to be happy, not to suffer. So I'd love to share those things with your listeners and your audience. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for this topic and it sounds like it was, um, started off as a rough road to get you to go on this journey to discover happiness. So do you want to share maybe some of those, you, you refer to yourself as a victor. So maybe share some of what you'd like to about what you've overcome. Yes, thank you for asking that. Um, so, you know, I was a victim in my life for the first, well, 37 years, actually. Um, I uh, I had an abusive childhood. Uh, my father used to knock us around and my mother as well. And then, of course, I married at 16. I got pregnant and married an abusive guy. And, you know, he would walk in the front door and punch me in the face throw me down the stairs. It was just, but I thought I deserved it, you know, because I had such a low, low self-esteem and, um, uh, and, and low feeling of myself that, um, and my mother told me, you know, when I got pregnant, only bad girls get pregnant. And so I figured I was a bad girl. My life's over. Okay. This is what I have to take. And, you know, um, so I took, I had two children with him and then I, I, um, got involved with another abusive person, <laughs> had another child. My third child had brain damage when she was born. So I have a special needs daughter. And so that was another challenge in my life, you know. But my life seemed to um, slap me around like a rag doll, you know. It was like I just kept, and I just was blaming everybody else in my life for my life not working. And so um, I was looking in life for um I wanted to find uh peace and happiness. Peace was my first word um because I couldn't seem to find that. And the reason it was avoiding me is because 
I was looking outside myself, always outside, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I finally found this practice of Buddhism, um, when I would tell my, my seniors, you know, my husband, my mom did this, my dad did that, blah, blah, blah. And they took my finger and went, eh, 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 eh. I went, what? It's me? <laughs> what do you mean, me? It's you. It's your life. You know, you attracted these things. This is your, your karma. And this is, you know, things that you brought into your life. But the good news is, once I took responsibility for all that, if I, can I say shit? You can. You can say whatever you want. It was happening to me, you know, it just started to turn around. It's like for the first time in my life, I controlled the vertical. I controlled the horizontal. You know, it's like, it's so empowering to take responsibility for the things that are happening to you in your life. And it's so difficult because it doesn't feel like your fault. You don't feel like, you know, they did this to me. I didn't. No, it doesn't matter. That That's all irrelevant, you know. We have to own it. And once we own it, we're in control of what happens in the future. So it's basically cause and effect, cause and effect. And we can make the causes, you know, to make our lives better. Vicki, I can think of a bunch of examples in my life where once I learned this lesson of the reframe, even when we think it's everybody else's fault, but this show is to showcase you. So I'm wondering, can you give us an example of what I'll call it standard? I won't call it normal, but standard thinking would would be where we're thinking that someone did something to us. Can you share an example maybe from your life of how it would normally feel like we it, something was being done to us, but but how it really is your responsibility or you have control over it. Do you, can you think of anything like that? Well, well, sure. Be, being in an abusive marriage, you know, um, you, you get, uh, you know, hit or pushed or shoved or, you know, you're told you're ugly, you're stupid, you're fat, you're, you know, all these horrible things. And um, you, you think, you know, the other person is being, is wrong, but you, you can't, you can't own it because I think also it has a lot to do with your self-esteem, you know, until you can like feel better about yourself and raise yourself out of this dungeon. I mean, I kind of feel, feel like, um, when I, uh, before I started to do my, I call it my human revolution before I started to do, I was, I was in the basement looking up at my problems, you know, and they were bigger than me. And I couldn't even figure out how I was going, how was I going to get out of this abusive uh, marriage? I had no money, no job. I wasn't allowed to work because he was so insanely jealous, you know. And um, so, but it wasn't until I learned how to, to raise my life condition. Whereas now, you know, I feel like I'm in the penthouse looking down at my problems and they're easy. You know, it's like before I would fall in a pit and it was so hard to climb out of it, but now it's like a bump in the road, but um, but um, but um, you know, so, so once you're, you, once you recognize the, these negative forces in your life, I, I call them 
my devils. <laughs> Once you see the devils, they have no power. They're like throwing water on a witch. <laughs> they shrivel up and go away. So, but, but when you buy into them, you know what they're saying? You're not good enough. You're, you're not this enough. You know, you're, you're, you deserve this. No, no. But once you can get, go shut the fuck up. I am going to be everything that I want to be because, you know, you deserve that. But, but that, that comes from, from turning this um, thing around where you, where you listen to the negative voices instead of realizing them for what they are and just flip them off. <laughs> you know, don't, don't let them, don't let them, but, but you got to recognize them. And that, that takes time and that takes work. I mean, uh, developing your spirituality is as hard as exercising your body. So I, I, I we feel like we have to do three things every day exercise our body our minds and our spirit and whatever that means for you for me I chant um, and I do it in the morning and night every day not just on Sundays or you know so but it's, it's something like it, it's like taking my life and plugging it into this huge battery that recharges me you know so I've got this power every day I can use this power to help me get through the day and to keep these negative voices at bay, you know, get it, get out of here. <laughs> that is such an interesting, you just unpacked a lot of thing here. So I want to, I want to recap and dig in. I love that visual of, in, I think people think still on some level, some folks, it's still a little woo woo or what's the point of meditation or what's the point of exercise or whatever. And you using that example of, of, like recharging a battery, like kind of take some of the pain and uh, resistance away just just for me in, in the way you described that. And then what I think I heard is the first step to go from the low, low, low is to listen to the negative voices, not to listen to them to agree, but to recognize that it's negative voices and it's bullshit just kind of backing in your ear. Is that what you said in your own yeah. way? Yes. A lot of people might think of it like a, a good angel and a bad angel. Like sometimes I'll, I'll you know, I'll go, oh, you, you're stupid. You, I, and then my other voice goes, shut the fuck up. I am not stupid. You know, so, so it's like I have the good angel and the bad angel. And sometimes they have conversation. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just just recognizing the negative is, is the first step to getting rid of it. And I'm not going to say it's easy to build. I mean, you can't pick up a dumbbell and go, okay, one, two, three, four. That's it. How come I have no muscle? You know, like what, what what's with the, the no muscle? You got to work at the spirit too. You got to really, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that I love sitting chanting for hours uh, and I don't chant for hours, but I do try to do, you know, at least an hour a day. Um, but it's, but it, I know what it does for me. So that's what makes me do it. It's just like going to the gym, you know, getting there is the hardest part. <laughs> Once right. you're there, you can go through the routine. But I think it's the same with our spirit. You know, we have to, um, we have to exercise it every day. We have to pray whatever way you pray Just spend some time doing it. And, and just, you know, you'll see the results. It'll, it'll awaken this beautiful Buddha nature that you have or your godlike self. It's, it's there. It's just 
it's lying dormant waiting for you to awaken it you know it can't uh, it, it's like the vibration of of chanting is is in the universe it's like electricity you can't see it and we couldn't harness it till thomason uh invented the light bulb right and so it's the same with 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 uh, your spirit the vibrations there you just have to tap into it and pull it into your life so it's 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 just waiting for us <laughs> so, so your way of tapping into it was through buddhism do you want uh-huh. to take us through how you got introduced to it what did that journey look like for you yeah it was a you know a lifelong quest of mine like i said to be happy and to find peace and so um after these two abusive marriages three children you know i'm on my own and i'm uh just really um seeking you know and so i i i did all these different things like um uh life spring asked uh transcendental meditation um positive thinking um i even tried touched on scientology and and everything was like it, it was like okay well this is this sounds okay but it's not what i'm looking for it's not the answer it's not the key and i even converted to judaism um and you know i hated that as much as i hated christianity i didn't like going to shul i didn't like going to church i found it always found it depressing and so um when i went to my first buddhist meeting i was like that aha moment you know this is it i need a practice where someone says if you do this you'll get this result so like if you stand on your head need a banana you're going to be become happy i'll do it you know because <laughs> i i want to be happy so it doesn't matter i think there's different practices that people can try and do but for me um buddhism buddhism works because first of all there's no guilt there's no rules it's cause and effect cause and effect whatever you do is going to come back to you and it it's all about um world peace helping other people i can't tell you the high you get when you can help another problem a person overcome their problems and and that's part of um what what i do what we do is this this kind of buddhism is um all designed um for people to to, to share happiness to one by one we feel like real peace will be created that way one by one by one person becoming happy not wanting to hate the other person you know families have problems we we all have internal family i think we all do i don't know I didn't say we all but you know i know i do too and 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 the, but i made a determination years ago that my family was not going to become estranged you know where people didn't talk to each other for years and, you know and having three children four grandchildren and three great grandchildren i have this huge family and there's always stuff to chant about shall we say <laughs> what do I'm i have not, to go ahead i'm not familiar with chanting um through this lens like my first thought and and you said it's not transcendental meditation like where you have the uh mantra or whatever it's called So what does that look like? Is there is it Yeah, like a prayer? Yes, yes. So so um what 
what we do is um, there's many different sects of Buddhism. Okay. So um, there's many causes you can make in your life. There's thought, word, and deed. So thought is, you know, I can think um, I love you, or I can say I love you, or I can show you I love you. Same thing with hate. I can think, oh, I hate her. And then I can, you know, do something nasty to you. (laughs) And then, you know, so, but those are, each of those are causes. Deed being the greatest cause. Thinking something is a cause, but, you know, doing something is the greatest cause. So so to actually say the words, um, these are the words that we, we chant is nam myoho ringe kill. And it's, it's a chant that means the mystic law of cause and effect through sound or vibration. So and when we chant that, we tap into this, I don't know, something out there. It just, um, you know, brings you this power inside and awakens this, this life condition inside of you that's been sleeping, maybe. So, I mean, that's what we do. We chant, and then we do this book crazy book this is uh the um literary of sokagakai is the value creating society that we belong to and um you know we we're in over 200 countries in the world i i don't know how many millions of people chant but we do this it's a chapter and a half of the lotus sutra so the crazy word sounds like this so obviously I know it by heart because I do it every day and every morning and every night. It takes two minutes to do it. But it's it's a description of enlightened life in Sanskrit. So you don't need to know exactly what every word means for it to have meaning in your life. Like you can sing, Frere Jaca, Frere Jaca, Dormez-vous. You don't have to know French to know, you know, with the, with the, with the song, it just is fun. So <laughs> kind of like that. You don't have to know the meaning of every word. This is Sanskrit. It's ancient Indian and Chinese. So if you know any, do you want me to tell you a little history of Buddhism? Is that okay? That would be great. I'm glad that you said, because I was, I knew Sanskrit was more, um, what did you call it, Indian? I think it's Indian and Chinese, actually. Yeah, I was hearing a lot of the Chinese as you were talking and singing. So yeah, I would love a little history. Yeah. So many years ago, there was um, the, the original Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha or Siddhartha Buddha, who you remember sat under the Bodhi tree and became enlightened. That's kind of a story most people know. But they might not know that he was born a prince. And um, he, his family, when he turned, I think it was 16 or 17, um, gave him this piece of land, you know, the most beautiful piece of land on their property overlooking the, the river and everything. And, and, and he, he said, no, I don't want any material things. I want to find the answer so that all people can become happy. And he left with nothing and went on this journey where he, you know, everybody was telling him what the key to becoming enlightened was, you know, oh, you've got to, you've got to uh, 
sleep on a bed of nails. And he did that. And that didn't. Oh, no, you've got to walk on fire. And he went and he walked on fire. And then he he was and then someone said, no, you have to starve yourself. You can't eat for for two weeks. Nothing. No, no water, nothing. So he did that. And I think that was the final thing that he did before. He was so exhausted. And so he just sat under this Bodai tree and he was you know, sitting there cross-legged. And all of a sudden he had this vision of life, of everyone's life, of the connectiveness of everyone's life. And then he saw many lifetimes of many people besides himself. He could see many lifetimes that he'd lived and other people had lived. But I think the most important thing was this connectedness of all life, of everything, humans, trees, animals, everything. So from that, enlightened state i guess he was hallucinating but he started writing these sutras and i think he wrote over 10,000 sutras and so this that i showed you is a chapter and a half of the lotus sutra that was his final teaching so throughout his life he traveled and taught his teachings um, but he also said people can only people can only learn what they're ready to hear you know so in the beginning of his teachings, it was thought that women could not become enlightened. Women had to die and be reborn as men to become enlightened, if you can believe that. <laughs> We've wow. come along. Anyways, so at, but at the end of his life, he said, forget everything I've taught you. Now, this is the truth. All people are equal. You know, I am no different than you. We are all equal, women and men. and um, in 500 years, someone will come who will condense my teachings so that all people can become enlightened. So 500 years later, along comes Mitra and Daishonin. And Mitra and Daishonin is a fisherman. And he also, he, he wants, he sets out to find what is the best religion? Is it Catholicism? Is it Muslim? Is it Buddhism? And he, he studies all religions and he becomes he finds the Lotus Sutra and he says, this is it. This is the highest teaching that I've ever discovered. And he condenses um, his teachings because each of the sutras that he teaches start with Myoho Renge Kyo. So Myoho Renge Kyo. So he, he, and then the second verse again, Myoho Renge Kyo. So he, he takes that and he goes, Okay, that's the key. He he begins every chapter with Myoho Renge Kyo, Mystic Law of Cause and Effect. So so he adds Nam, which means devotion to the Mystic Law of Cause and Effect, and that's where he comes up with Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. So this, you know, I have to tell you, I I didn't believe it. I I was singing at a nightclub. It was one of my things that I do. I entertain and um. This girl and I were hosts, and she was singing more than me, and I was jealous. You know, so I was telling this girl that was there, who's an amazing singer, who we would bring up to sing. I said, you know, she she's singing more than me, and she she says to me, "You need a chant." And I go, "Chant? What are you talking?" She goes, "You need a chant." I said, "Chant what?" And so she writes the words down for me, and I 
I'm in my miserable time of life, you know, where I'm jealous and insecure and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I go home and I take this little piece of paper out and I start saying the words and the floodgate opens. I just start crying and weeping and I don't understand. Why is this making me cry? You know, and, and so I called her. I said, I don't understand. Why am I crying? She said, because you have so much suffering in you. And it's just opened, it's opened your heart so that you can allow this, all this suffering you've been holding inside of you. And so that, that was my first experience. Um, and then I went to her house for uh, a meeting. And she lived under the Hollywood sign, under the H. And she said, yeah, they, I was given this house. I go, what? Get out of here. You know, she goes, no, you get benefits when you chant, you know, things. things. <laughs> I go, get out. She goes, yeah, I, I don't pay any rent. They just asked me to take care of the house. And so, you know, anyway, that's how I started. And it's like, wow. And then I went on a journey. I mean, the first year I, I chanted, I had cancer and they were ready to, you know, they'd done a biopsy and they're ready to go back and, and they, and I chanted for it to go away, and it went, and, and then went back the, the day of the they said there's nothing there. It must have miraculously, miraculously disappeared. And I'm going, yeah, right. I don't think so. But but I still, you know, it, it's like we don't gain faith. Just it's not a blind belief. Faith in Buddhism, it's because of actual proof. We get we get actual proof of things changing in our life and that's what makes our faith stronger so you know you have a, a real a true religion is for the people it it has scientific proof through theoretical proof and actual proof so buddhism has those three things which are is wonderful and i'm not trying to convert anyone because but i'll tell you there's a lot of catholics and, and jewish people that chant <laughs> And you can add it to whatever you believe already. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I'm sorry if I went on too long about that. No, that was, I was very interested in this. Like, so my perception on Buddhism is basically be a good human being. Like, that's it. Just be a good human being to yourself, to others. Um, the, uh, being in a 12-step program. And I've, I've told this story probably many times, but the 11th step is sought through prayer and meditation to improve your conscious contact with God as you understand him. So in 2020, 2019, I started going to church and the pastors up there, and I really loved, he was a great storyteller because um, I don't like all the reading and the, like I, reading the Bible, for example, is not for me. I can't. I, I don't have that reading comprehension, whatever. So him telling the story is great, but he said on this one week, and I thought it was the best thing he's ever said. He's like, you're not being a good Christian. If you show up here once a week and then go out in the parking lot and flip somebody off because they cut in front of you. And it was very powerful and it stuck with me. And I'm like, yeah. So I looked at, um, recovery Dharma. And I, I actually still go to recovery Dharma meetings when I can and the noble truths and the, the wise way. And we actually podcasted about it on here. I, I did the book and, and all of that. And that's really, that's been my real only exposure to Buddhism. 
Um, but I'm attracted to it too, because if I, and, and it's my interpretation and I get to have my interpretation, which is kind of cool too, um, between the book and understanding it. And then I have a friend who's, um, he has his doctorate in divinity and theology, and he's an ex priest. Um, and he's very into Tinkun Han, Tink, I don't know pieces every step and another monk. Right. And, and that's like my limited exposure. So everything you just shared, um, I really understood a little bit better because you told it to me in a nice story format. And I, I get it. Um, never dove into chanting. Uh, but I really love what you're saying is that miracles happen. So whether it's some people have law of attraction that they think some people are Joe Dispenza. I, the more I hear and the more I research from my guests and just listening, I have a feeling it's all the same, but just different ways to get there. That's my perspective. So understanding that there's this beautiful avenue that saved your life, it sounds like, like in many ways, not just the cancer. Um, you just explained it wonderful. So I'm sorry, I went on a little tangent there, but no, 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 it's wonderful. I mean, you're right. It's all about the causes we make. Like, I notice myself when I'm driving, sometimes somebody cuts me off and I'll go, eh, eh, do you really want to make that cause? That's your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> call that person now, whatever. Don't, because then somebody will call you that. And then, you know, it comes back to you more uh, full than, than what you put it out there. So so you want to want to be careful of what you say, what you what you think. I mean, it's really hard to control your thoughts. The thoughts, you know, I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not enlightened. You know, that's. I mean, I feel like there's times when I feel um, when I'm chanting, I actually feel this white light and this amazing feeling where everything is okay, everything is beautiful. This is there's just it's a divine feeling and. Uh, I can't even describe it. And I go, oh, don't go away. Don't go away. You know, like, please don't. I just want the feeling to stay there, like the light and everything. It's just like a different realm. And um, it doesn't last, but it's there. And I, I do get to experience it. And um, so I wanted to talk about happiness, if I could, um, it, because I think it's, you know, um, it, it's so important. Uh, and first of all, Buddhism says that happiness is our right. We deserve to be happy. So there's two kinds of happiness. There's relative happiness and absolute happiness. So relative happiness is like getting, you know, you got the cars, the money, you got the boyfriends you want, you got the houses, yeah, whatever, all the material, all the stuff that, that's relative in your life doesn't make you happy. It, that's proven every day by these stars who take their lives. They have everything they have fame money fortune homes cars but they're still because they haven't filled this void inside of them it doesn't nothing outside here makes you happy nothing you gain it can add to your happiness but it can't be your happiness it's just like another person going i want you to make me happy <laughs> sorry i i can't you have to find you you have to come to a, a relationship with your happiness already intact then you're ready to be a full relationship. So absolute happiness does not depend on anything out here. It only depends on this feeling you have inside. And as I expressed earlier, the greatest way 
to get this feeling is to help other people. I mean, when I share, uh, when I share Buddhism with somebody that's suffering, oh my God, it's like the best drug. There is no drug that has a better high than that, you know? And I've tried a few. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I have never shot anything. (laughs) It's just that. Um, but you know, um, I've, I've been through my low points in life as well. And, and so, um, to me to have something that you can rely on that when you need to be, you know, you need a charger battery, you need to feel good. Um, um, even doing an interview, I, I want my higher self to do the talking for me. I, I want to be able to touch people's hearts to, to tell them that you deserve to be happy. No matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you look like, how you feel now. Inside of you is this jewel, this wonderful golden life that you can awaken, you know, through your own spirituality. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And that's exactly why I don't script or do questions, the same questions for every guest anymore, because I don't think. I don't think that's the right way to go. I think it is a higher self, just like writing your book. I'm sure you probably experienced that as well, too. It wasn't just Vicky writing the book. It was what was supposed to be in the book is in the book. Is that true? Very true. You know, sometimes I, I lecture um, at uh, different meetings and I don't know what, what I'm going to say. So I just pray you do the talking for me because I don't know what to say. You know, please. So, so I just kind of turn it over to, to my higher, to my higher self and things come out of my mouth and people go, you are amazing. Oh my God. What you said? I go, what did I say? What did I, I don't even remember. So, because it wasn't coming from me. And sometimes when I'm chanting, I get the most enlightened ideas and I know it's coming from, from a higher self. You know, it's not coming from, from just from Vicky, you know, she, she got in her own way a lot. (laughs) I have to get out of my own way. I know that feeling. Yes, yes, yes. So can you tell us, since the book is there, and I want to make sure that we talk about that a little. Um, and it's so funny because I am the least beauty conscious person like ever. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how to put on. Oh, thank you. I don't know how to put concealer on. I don't know. I didn't even know that you can make your face look different shapes and stuff. Like if it wasn't for social media, I didn't even know that how, what makeup did or anything like that. And we talked a little before pressing record about beauty inside and out. And I think this is a good piggyback off of the happiness. Um, if you want to share a little about what your book is about, why you wrote it, um, and, and maybe just enlighten us on that. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I experience every day um, people, you know, I just kind of, I'll be out at the doctor's office or something. And then, you know, I remember the other day there was girls were admiring my nail polish. And I go, oh, look at my feet. And I lift my leg above the table, you know, and they went, oh, my God, that's great that you could do that. And I say, yeah, not bad for a 76 year old. Right. And, and then they just go, what? And then I said, well, if I wrote a book, would you want to read it? If, if I told you like my secrets and my beauties and they go, when can, where do we get it? When can we buy it? You know, it's like, so, you know, and that happens a lot. I go to a doctor's office, you know, or I'm on the table and I go, okay, wait a minute. First of all, my, my gynecologist, she says, 
you have to tell me everything you do and what it is because I need to know because I don't believe you're this old. And so, you know, I, I had this happen over and over um, to the point where I said, you know, I have to share this. Why I can't keep this knowledge I have developed over my life inside of me because it's not only, I mean, saving face has a double meaning. It's saving your face, yeah, but saving your face is your your pride, your dignity, your your goodness. You know, um, like American Indian. I'm I'm part Indian, American Indian. Oh, I know you guys say Native. I'm a Canadian, so we we call American. Uh, or now we have to say Aborigines. Uh, so I'm part Aborigine, and so um, you know they they always talk about. Saving face, saving face. So, yeah, it means doesn't have anything to do with saving their face. But so I, so I thought that would be a good name for the book. And, and it's it's actually a journey through my life from when I was a little girl and the things I experienced. And then as a teenager, I became I was a model and I won a few little beauty contests, but, you know, still miserable inside, not believing that I was even uh, nice looking. Um, you know, I thought, oh, they just think I am. And, and so, you know, then I started, I almost became obsessed with when I was like at 18 or 19. I don't want to look old when I'm old. What am I going to do? I, I got to start thinking about that now. So I started like studying older women and going, what is, oh, what's the first area to go? It's the eyes. The eyes are the first area. Oh, and then the neck. Okay. So let me go and I got the best eye cream. So that was my first beauty tip, you know. So then I put that in the, okay, use eye cream every night. So I started when I was 19 using eye cream every night. And I I have to say it really paid off. Um, And then, you know, I started studying in skincare, makeup, everything I could learn about. I became obsessed with aging and I made this intention that when I got older, I would look 10 to 15 years older, younger than my age. And um, so I think intention is really important, too, because, you know, what you decide you want in your life, it you can make it come true because uh, I'm living proof of that. But but then as, along the way, you know, my beauty tips became more spiritual, like, you know, um, never give up. I mean. When I was writing my book, my coach kept saying, you, are, you know what you have? You, you, you are resilient. If I get knocked down, I get up again. You know, And I just, I think it's so important. We can't give up on life. You know, the, the, it, there's lots of hor- horrible things that happened to us in life. And we, we have to learn to go on. Um, I read somewhere that there's 200,000 centenarians in the United States and they did a survey to find out why these people all lived over a hundred and they came up with three things they all had in common and it wasn't diet or exercise (laughs) as everyone might think so the three things they had in common was they all had a positive outlook on life they all could accept loss in their life because they'd lost loved ones and they all had hobbies things they love to do and that's the three things that you know help people become centenarians so I think that you know for me that I've incorporated that into my life 
you know, I have, I have wonderful hobbies I like to do and, and I have a positive outlook on life and I'm going to be a centenarian. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't know if he was in your circle of friends, but through the summit, I interviewed someone for the show who was a doctor um, in geriatrics and he went on and he wrote a book and we talked on the show and he goes and has lunch with the centenarians that are in his ecosystem to celebrate. Like that's kind of his specialty is, is dealing with that. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I, I, I just brought it up because of, you know, being resilient and, and never giving up in life and, you know, having a positive attitude, smiling. I, I talk a lot about facial exercises, A E I O U every day, A E I O U. And then, you know, shave women, shave without a blade. Men don't <laughs> age from here down, you know, because they shave every day and then, you know, they blow their faces. So, so that's a great facial exercise, shaving um, without the blade, of course. And then, um, Smiling takes 47 muscles to smile and only seven to frown. Mm. So if you smile, it's good for your face. And it also, I find when I smile at people, they smile back. So, oh, yeah. you know, you, you can, anybody, you can smile at them. I, I mean, I, I have a little business. I work in a beauty salon with my jewelry and I just smile at people all the time. And they just, they immediately smile back. Yeah. That's beautiful. Bring a little joy. Smiling makes you happy. It also makes you more beautiful. I yes, think. I agree. Yeah. Well, Miss Vicky, is there anything that I forgot to ask about that you would love to share before we uh, end our wonderful call? Although I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bobby. You're wonderful. I, I just really appreciate what you do. And I, I think the only thing I would like to leave with your audience is Make somebody else happy. Help, help somebody that's suffering. And, and learn to be happy yourself because it is your right. It is your right as a human being. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vicki. 